this is Kendra, and this is April, and you are listening to Not Too Distracted. And when you close your eyes and you're waiting for the 12 seconds, you it's know, seconds. it is a really long 12 seconds. It's about as long as looking at the clock. Wait, ah. So that 12 seconds, watch them. So both of us were in our own little misery right there. All right. I think it was just trying to avoid the bookie. That's right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. So I, I guess a quick update here since they just came out with like the end of year wrap up for Spotify podcasters. So apparently the most listened to episode so far was the Nebraska kidnapping and the story or the Ann Flutie story. And then the one behind that one was the the bonus ode where it was a gal who, I mean, she had five husbands and all, but two of her husbands shared the same heart. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go back and listen to that episode from this season. That should be one of those, like, like questions. I'm going to stop right there because I can't. But just, you know how, like, a riddle or a... Did you know? Told me this bad man, right? Do you know how this happened? When you wrap up the whole year, blah 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 blah. Two hearts, two men, one heart. Two men, one heart. Yeah, there we go. All right, so, so you did amazing with those two when I wasn't there. One of them was like you were, but you weren't there when I recorded it. Oh, but you did good. I had it all researched already as like a as a bear. In case I, I depleted my spare in case type <laughs> episodes. <laughs> oh no, okay. this is gonna be great. Anywho's anywho's it. So um we're not doing necessarily one of the levels of evil uh tonight because well here let me just get it. first of all uh, content warning right now. Um and this is going to be a two parter. Just FYI, so everybody knows right now, I'm way too long for a one-parter. But content warning, I'm. it's going to be covering child death, mental illness, including depression, postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, eating disorders, suicide ideation, suicidal ideations, etc. So if that's not something you can handle, if you think it's going to be a trigger for you, uh, you might want to skip the next couple episodes and, and join us again after that. You can handle just like torture. That sounds terrible. But I know there are certain things that are triggers for some and Right. And that was all with one person, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. All 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 this that I just said? Yeah. One person. Yep. Yep. Um, so before I begin though, I've been wanting to cover this case for uh, quite a while because it doesn't, but it doesn't quite fit into any of the 22 levels of evil that I'm currently covering, at least not in my opinion. But I, I didn't want to wait anymore because I've been wanting to do this one for like a year now. And I've been wanting to hear it for like a year now. Have been, I mean, I've researched, I've looked into it, I've read stuff, I've listened to, every, you know, that type of thing. But it's a case that could cause some controversy amongst some listeners, maybe, and that's totally fine. That's completely fine. Um, everyone has a right to their own opinion. But just ask i'm just asking like you guys to like listen all the way through and to everything that i'm going to be presenting you before you make that final opinion uh because i know that when this case first hit like the news um it was back in 2001 and i remember i saw like the first magazine covers of it and my initial reaction you know in my 
15 year old tongue was like <sighs> that like bad at the like can't magazine and my first thought was like how could a mother be so evil and i didn't think about it but then after like you know at the subject like that it's like i didn't really bother to look into it any further because that's how the media does it they like to sensationalize things but as we often don't look into like the actual case we see the frontline glaring cover and we automatically make this like decision and then we don't look into it anymore Mm -hmm. and we just assume that person's terrible right because it's not us well yeah and it's not anything that we'd ever do and it's so far out of the realm of like reality wrap your head around right but um um what case is it so yes (laughs) (laughs) um anyway so it's I didn't look into it any further, mainly because I was like 15. And, and, and when it comes to cases like this one, because it's a case of a 36-year-old mother who kills all of her children, all five children. And the oldest was seven years old. The youngest was six months old. Mm-hmm. And she has drowned them all in a bathtub. What really more is there to say, right? Right. I mean, she's clearly evil, right? Right. Wow. I when I, my first initial when I heard it because I've only heard about it mm-hmm. from what you've said and what the news when it first happened, you know, and I was just like, "There's something has to be wrong with her because that's not normal." I remember thinking that, but then, like I said, like like my 15 year old mind at the time was just not comprehend. There, so far out of the realm of like anything that you would expect anybody to ever you right and so um we've heard a lot of these kind of cases before right where so many other mothers who have taken the lives of their children or fathers who have merely because they decided they didn't want to be a parent anymore and they tried to blame it on mental illnesses and all this other stuff and it's a bunch of crap right however however this case of andrea yates Mm -hmm. i don't know if any of you guys remember this case or have heard of this case but if you have um, and you haven't heard much more beyond, but I just said to you, I would really like you to listen to the rest of this. Because in, like two years ago, I actually listened to an in-depth podcast on her case. And I did not realize how horribly and terribly wrong my thinking was on the entire situation at hand. Um, she was not evil. Her act, of course, would make anyone think she was evil, but she herself was not evil. And I will stand by that period in the story like that is this is the only case that i have ever come across thus far in my true crime journey <laughs> which has been long when a mother takes and i have that thing with like moms and 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 when they kill their children just because it's like i'm a mom and it's so hard to like wrap your brain wrap around. my brain around i'm like and so but i honestly this is the one case that i have ever come across where i honestly and truly believe that she is not at fault due to being in the throes of like a mental illness or psychotic break. In this case, it was uh, postpartum psychotic. Postpartum psychosis. Right. So, and then I, there's a lot of mitigating factors to go into this. I mean, plenty of other mothers have tried to claim the sans- insanity after being caught um, and failed because they weren't actually insane. And I've listened to, read about, watched enough of those types of cases to feel confident in saying that Andrea is the only one that was truly and utterly psychotic when she acted out her intrusive thoughts that day. It was on June 20th, 2001, and she methodically and calmly, very calmly, 
drowned each of her five children, placing them in the master bed next to each other, all but her eldest son, who she left in the bathtub for some reason. And after she was done, just as calmly calling 911, and you guys can probably find the 911 call out there. Like, I mean, she's just monotone. Like, she's just like, I need the police here now. And the, I mean, the person's like, well, what, why do you need to do? I just kill all my kids. What the fuck? So do you need an ambulance? No, I just need the police. Well, yeah, I guess send an ambulance. And then like, she hangs up with them and calls her husband just as calmly. And simply stated he needed to come home. And then when the officers got there and arrived at her house, she said that just as calmly again, she just opened the door. She said she killed all five of her children and pointed towards the room where they were. Just like, just like, just calmly, just like, I did this. And then, <laughs> question as many of you may be asking if you haven't heard about this case at all in all. And you've been living under a rock if you haven't. Well, I mean, a lot of people haven't because they might have heard about it back in 2001 because that's when it happened. Well, I get, you know, like I didn't really think about it much more until I ran across. But anyway, <laughs> um, sorry, my mouse is in there. What? Okay, so the, the questions many of you may be asking right now then is what possible reason did she have to carry out this act? How? Why? Because Andrea Yates was a sick, sick woman. Not physically, though by that time she was also physically sick. But like she wasn't born yeah. sick. She wasn't yeah. nature. She wasn't sick. like physically sick. It was her mind no longer was allowing her to even take care of herself. But the main thing that was sick was her mind. Andrea Yates had been suffering for a very long time with postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis leading to the intrusive thoughts that made her believe she needed to take her children's lives, which we will get into during the case. Five kids, right? Five kids. Oldest seven, youngest, youngest six, six months. months. Like that is a lot of kids and not, and like she was yeah. just pregnant. Yeah, we'll get down to how short a time oh, this gosh. all took place in too. Um, so she was let down. Uh, like I said, as we'll get into this case, uh, with the many events that lead up to it. But Andrea, she was failed by many people in her life. And that's my opinion too. I believe she was. Um, she was asking for help, saying she needed help, and she hardly received the care that she desperately needed. She was let down by her husband, by her doctors, by the religion that she followed. And not just one time, but like numerous times, like she was asking for help. And like she was just not receiving failed. Help like let down every single time by people who thought they knew better than a doctor like her husband apparently right and Sorry, her own body you guys like... will find me not a fan of her husband and Kendra doesn't usually like I try to keep an my, open mind uh, my opinion not opinion well I you keep an open yeah. mind and you don't sway either way and so this for you to like I mean and this this too it hits me in a really personal way so I apologize ahead of time for that but I've had to deal with a lot of the same mental illnesses that Andrea herself was dealing with. Luckily, never postpartum psychosis, but postpartum depression for sure. So I can understand on a different level than those who've maybe not experienced a mental illness themselves or within their families or even close friends. Because I do acknowledge and understand that for those who have never experienced it, the entire concept of a mother being able to drown all of her children is something most can't even begin to wrap their heads around. So is it kind of like 
do you catch yourself if I wouldn't have had the support that I had that could have been you type thing uh, not necessarily because there's there's very I mean realistically Cause usually because like just because you have postpartum depression does not mean that if it's not treated it's going to turn into postpartum well yeah like there's there's so many underlying factors that go into it and you can never really what was it you can never predict well, yeah, but I mean, like worst case scenario, like worst, yes, worst case scenario, been, my, yes, yeah, my uh, my support system would have listened to me. My they would have listened to the doctors. They wouldn't have blah blah. We'll get into it. <laughs> like, but like even myself knowing the ins and outs of this case and what she was dealing with as a mother myself, I still almost find it unfathomable. Right, you know. And and I know I've said before, like I just said, that I have a certain fascination with cases that involve parents, especially mothers who kill their children, because it goes so much against everything that I believe in, and it goes against the very moral fabric of society, um, because children are, like, innocent. They're very innocent. Like, that's the population that we should be protecting at the most cost, and when I hear about a case when a child is not only killed, the life's taken by a parent... Especially their mother, the person they love and trust probably more than anyone else typically in the entire world. So like, I can't, it's still hard to kind of wrap my head around it, but this, this particular case, I have a lot more understanding and I have a lot more empathy and sympathy for Andrea. What she did was horrible. Absolutely. I am not even going to like smooth over that and be like, yeah, you know, like no, it was bad. It was terrible and absolutely wrong. But right, but we'll find out why she did it, and then hopefully you guys will get a little bit more understanding. Right. So, like you were, I'm. I was having this thought. Like we had two different upbringings, right? Like you had a loving, nurturing mother i did not and so i'm not saying like i'm just not as shocked as you are and i didn't realize it until this moment like the way our minds think that's crazy okay yeah but still you yourself yes can myself like yeah it's a it's a thing that like most of us have like an internal off switch where even if we have some intrusive thoughts like that Mm -hmm. like we our minds will not let us go through with it just like like suicide we have an internal mechanism inside of our brains that will not let us do it so those who do succeed i mean doesn't want to push through right because we are self-preserving right like obviously my mother didn't kill me but she put me through a lot of shit and so like that maternal like that loving compassionate when you say like, you just don't understand it. Like, I get it because I had a shit for a mom. And you did not. And it's just interesting, mm-hmm. though. It's not a bad thing. Sorry, yeah, you're looking no, at me like, no. it's just nice. It's Anyways, go on with your. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because, like, my next sentence, I feel like I'm already going off on a tangent. Let me start back at the very beginning. <laughs> also, in today's show notes, just so everyone knows, you will find in few different resources for anyone that is needing help with postpartum depression or psychosis or just want more information in case you do know somebody who might be dealing with it um there's also a link 
to various mental health crisis hotlines and websites uh, that are available in 16 different countries. So, and don't be embarrassed. No, if that's you're experiencing yeah, no. any of that. This is stuff. something that is not uncommon. No, and it's not at all your fault. Mm -mm. Or if your partner, who is a female, is going through this, it's not her fault either. That doesn't mean that she's like going to be permanently. It happens after pregnancy. Mm -hmm. That's the only time. No shame. No shame at all. And that's what I'm going to be into here. So, we're going to start with Andrea Yates. And I forgot to put in what her original maiden name was, but we're just going to call her Andrea Yates. <laughs> she was born on July 2nd, 1964 in Hallsville, Texas. She was the youngest of five siblings, and one thing that had been noticed uh, with this case is that several of her siblings, and actually her father, also suffered from a form of mental illness. And this is only brought up because there are times that, for whatever reason, mental illness seems to run through a family more often than not. And it, it can make someone more susceptible to develop postpartum depression or psychosis or any other mental illnesses. Because we're not, like, some of them are dead, some of them are. It's just, it's one of those things. So that's why I bring that up. Um, and that kind of appears to be the case for Andrea's family. Not much is really said about Andrea's, like, early childhood. But by high school, it was recognized that she was a really high achiever. Some may say she was an overachiever. Uh, her parents would say that Andrea never gave him any troubles. During high school, she always strived to be the best she could at everything. Uh, one of her friends would say that she always strived for excellence. This led her to being swim team captain. She volunteered. She made National Honor Society. And she was valedictorian of her graduating class. Holy fuck. So she was an amazing person. She, she was, she was very much that, but... Mm. but dun, dun, see dun. this is the, this is another part um so while things on this outside may seem to be putting andrea on a very good path there were obvious signs that she was already struggling with mental health i mean she's obviously got this very high standards for herself and that perfectionism which led her to developing uh bulimia um for those who don't know what bulimia is it i'm just gonna go really quick it's an right. eating disorder in which you either um which you purge or throw up or take laxatives, um, anything that you eat. There are different types of bulimia. Uh, the two main ones being where you eat large amounts of food at one time, purge it all back up. It can also lean more towards the anorexia side where you don't eat anything at all. And if you do eat something, then you make yourself sick. So the reason is that one may develop such an eating disorder very greatly, but one can assume with Andrea that maybe even early on in her life, she had issues with body image managing her mental health issues in a healthy way because a lot of times um, those who develop these see them as a coping skill for something they are emotionally or mentally struggling with because it gives them a sense of control over at least one area of their life right where it's like i can't control what i'm feeling what i'm thinking but i can control this and that's why i would think it was like the genes thing because so far like she didn't have any trauma like it was a very normal family there was no abuse there was no dot 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 so it was definitely a genetic thing yep and like i said and then she developed uh, bulimia and she actually struggled with that for eight years did her family notice this did she hide i would pretty well that they knew it or we wouldn't know it right and she played sports yeah, and she was so captain like all this other stuff and so i mean this would last for eight years which is a long time for an eating disorder like that um and with sports they probably didn't pick it up you know like she's working out she's doing this and staying busy and there's a lot of times where that it does pass because they will eat a lot because they're an athlete but mm -hmm. they don't know they're that they're throwing it up afterwards 
right and metabolism and being young oh wow and so uh since she did struggle with this for so long um, and it's during the adolescence years it's during those years that are really formative in your life uh, vital yeah so signifying that she was already in a deep struggle with body issues deep struggle with emotional issues in general and she didn't have coping skills for it because not many people do in high school i didn't no and it like, took me until my 30s right and, the, the and nobody <laughs> noticed it and so in her mind she's probably like nobody even cares like to notice or for her she kept it such a secret because she had this level of perfection in her head that she had to meet like she had to meet this or she was failing type of right thing. and i think that's a lot of it too and she couldn't control those thoughts and so she control this other thing right i know like with my struggle like when i'm in my depression or whatever i'm hoping because i'm not going to reach out i'm hoping that somebody notices it sometime and somebody and i wonder if she had those thoughts too you know like will somebody please just fucking notice because all of that is cries for helps in one way or another for me it almost seems like she was one of those ones that on the outside you would never know yeah so you're not going to question it if you don't know it. well yeah that type of a thing unfortunately yeah however after graduating high school she would wind up going to nursing school for college which is it's an interesting thing too that those who struggle sometimes with mental health issues wind up in a field where they care for other people because they nobody's caring for well in other words like they they want to help because they feel one way well it's like i want to give the help that i'm not receiving and that could be too it could be too it's just it's just a, it's an interesting thing i know that for a long time i wanted to go into like the social work field thank goodness i did not because that job would have killed me <laughs> no like because i don't i wouldn't have been able to handle it emotionally but i had that need to help but i know i i know now that there's no way and we've helped out in so many other ways it's awesome anyways okay. i thought you help out in so many other ways i try so she graduated from the University of Texas School of Nursing in 1986. And um, she was really excited to be a nurse. She got paid to do what she already loved to do, which was helping people and taking care of people. She was living in an apartment complex in her own apartment, paying all of her own bills, living as an independent woman, which, I mean, she was super, super proud about. Um, initially, she worked as a registered nurse at the University of Texas Cancer Center between 1986 and 1994. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And then she was hired as a nurse at the Anderson Hospital. How old was she about then? Um, well, let's see. She was born in... She was born... She was born in 1964. So she was 22. She accomplished a lot. So in twenty, when she was twenty-two, she graduated from the University of Texas School of Nursing, and then she worked at the University of Texas Cancer Center for about eight years, and then she was hired as a nurse at the Anderson Hospital. So, by all accounts, according to her colleagues and stuff, her friends, people who knew her, she was a really hardworking employee, good-natured, incredibly compassionate, loving. She was considerate, and the only thing they really brought up about her on a personal like trait level is, um. The personal insecurity that she carried about herself. Oh, so it was visible at this point. With 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 certain things, with certain things, um, her friends would say that she had never dated. She wasn't really even interested in boys. She was always focused on her goals 
and the things that she was doing. She also had kind of an immaturity about relationships. Um, she was brought up in a relatively religious uh, Catholic Catholic household. I mean, I, I'm not throwing shade at any religion. Like, we're going to be getting into some religion stuff within this case. I'm not saying that everybody that follows those religions are bad. Like, nothing like that. I'm just saying, for this case, this is what's happened. Good disclaimer. I mean, you guys can go back and listen about my, uh, the Church of Satan. Oh, well, we did that one yeah. thing? Okay, I didn't realize, that. like, what the Church of Satan was actually about, so... Um, so anyway, she was brought up relatively Catholic. I mean, you know, and many times when one is brought up in the Bible Belt, so to speak, especially in the Western, if uh, you're in America, yeah. where we very much kind of twisted Christianity to not even be it. Anymore. I'm not. Kidding. It's all warped and shit. Yep. Um, but their but their their identity with relationships can be very immature and naive because they're brought up with the very kind of linear idea right about what a relationship is uh, basically for her it would be you meet a partner you marry a partner you have babies with partner you live your life with partner and then you die very right. basic i mean and that's a lot of like i think that's that's what well, that right like, the courting i mean it wasn't super strict or anything like that but that's you know that's what it was that's her. the norm that's what you do yeah but for her she really struggled to understand dating. She just did not get it. To her, the beginning date, very beginning date, very first date, was the symbolism of a whole relationship. So it wasn't just about going out for a meal, having a little bit of fun, trying out a relationship, and seeing whether or not it fits. To her, the minute you were on a date, you were committed. So when she went out on a few dates, and then it didn't come to anything, she would consider that a failed relationship. This obviously placed a lot of stress and anxiety when it came to romance. Right. So you can see how that would be very immature and kind of naive as far as like how she didn't understand how dating worked. Right. And because for her, first date meant you were in a relationship. If it doesn't work, then maybe she failed. It. She was dramatic about it. I know that. I don't know. I don't want to say she was dramatic. She wasn't like, she wasn't dramatic because she doesn't think what no. she's thinking is dramatic right she just is very okay so nowadays like if i'm going to go date somebody like i'm not 16 anymore right like i'm it's okay if you go on a few dates it doesn't work out it's not a lost relationship it's not a failed relationship no but i'm gonna know right away if it's gonna work or not because i'm sick and tired of doing all this she was already there at that point yes. at that age she's like okay if we're doing this we're doing it yep. if not oh wow mm -hmm. and so then when i think Either the guy realized, like, it just didn't work. And then she thought it's a failed relationship, not just, like, a f it didn't work. It's almost like she's realistic. I think they should be like that more often. Like, Maybe, okay. but it's not always good because it just it led to a lot of anxiety, more anxiety for her. And no experience. Oh, but then. But then. Oh, Prince Charmy, let me she guess. She meets her knight shining armor. A guy named Russell, or Rusty, as we'll call him, Yates, in the summer of 1989. Oh, Rusty. He lived at the same time in the same apartment complex as he did. And he was an engineer, actually, working for NASA. Oh, wow. And some sources said it was two years younger. He was two years younger than Andrea, but some say they were the same age, so not really sure there. We're just going to say they were the same age. What a power couple. Like you from the outside. Yes. Yeah. I, NASA? 
in the 90s isn't in any i mean holy crap and her nursing and what she was doing hell mm-hmm. yeah okay. however mm-hmm. from the very start her colleagues and friends who knew her did feel that he was immediately controlling now mind you this was not said directly from andrea but her friends colleagues were concerned they felt like he as an individual and he had a particular mindset and a very strong one. And he also had some very strong ideas about what women should be like. Oh. They also said they didn't think that she really loved him. She would say that he was a good provider. So in many ways, Andrea, in her immaturity regarding relationships, had this identification about what a man should be, or an ideation of what a man should be, a provider. I wonder what her home life was like. Because you said they didn't really dive into that. I mean... I mean, she's not much known. She had four other siblings, you know, Catholic household. Her I'm dad about her mom, dad, been married the whole, you know, she just, they pre- oh, I just thought, and that her dad had mental health issues or some of her siblings, you know, and she might not have wanted to be a father. Who knows? Right. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Exactly. Right. And so like, like I said, like her, her ideation of a man, a good husband material is somebody who can provide right and that's probably what her dad did probably yes i would assume so so they start dating and they soon move in together and they actually got married in 1993 and they met in 92 uh they met in 89 89 oh so they waited a while before they got married yeah oh wow um and but when she does actually get married uh she stopped working completely because that's again, what a woman does. Again, in her mind, and this is even in her mind, this is what's her very traditional understanding of a woman's role. As far as Andrea is concerned, what concerned, what women's roles are lay heavy on her chest throughout her life, and that there is a specific stereotype and understanding of who you are and when you're that. That totally came from her parents. <laughs> well, like it came from her upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. Um, oh, wow. She was like a, a modern girl, like instilled with fucking ancient. Yeah. And, and it was like, it was like, I think if she had met, a, I'm sorry, if she met a different guy, this, I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about this. Right. Man, to so, be in her head, I feel so, my heart hurts, and this mm-hmm. is just the beginning of this story. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more and more fun here, and I mean that in the not fun way. Um, so when she does actually get married, like I said, she stopped working completely. Um, and I mean, after she's very in, intellectual, obviously, she's very educated. Uh, she's an experienced nurse, and she gave up all of that to have a family, particularly at a time when, and this was a time in the in the early 90s when more and more women were having careers so she was seeing everybody else well and it was more along the lines of like but but her hardwired belief system is that a woman stays at home and has kids while the rest of the world was kind of doing the opposite right and she was just going with what she thought was Normal. and and what eventually rescue will feed into mm. now even though Andrea was brought up in a Catholic home, she wasn't like hardline. So, like, she wasn't rigid in any belief system necessarily. That's so fucking crazy. And so, like, she, but there are certain things that you can learn from like li- being raised in a certain household without it necessarily being tied back to religion. That's true. Typically. That's um, true. 
So, and, but Rusty, however, Rusty, all Rusty, is a uh, very deeply, deeply deep in his belief systems and his interest in a particular type of religion that is very uh, different. But initially, she does tell Rusty that she is not that interested in the Bible. It's not really something that's very important in her world. Nonetheless, he is very invested in the religion that he follows, and it's important for him to have her involved as well, because at this time, he was very passionate about his faith and was currently a disciple under a hellfire preacher named Michael Peter Warnick. And she was just the devoting wife who was going to follow him because that was her. And so Andrea began following Rusty's beliefs. As soon as Andrea and got married and got serious or got serious, he made it very clear that he wanted them to have as many children as God would allow as that was their belief. So think the Duggar family. Oh my God. If any of you have not seen the documentary uh, Happy Shiny People, I would suggest you watch it on Amazon Prime. Is that the Duggar? Uh-huh. And the kind of religion that they follow, it's kind of the same way. Like, you have babies until you can't. Right. Like, literally. She had, like, 20. Mm, almost. And the oldest, the boy, ended up molesting some of the whole... Oh, you gotta watch that, dude. Just, I'm just telling you right now. Mm. Like, the cold. Oh, cold. Um, but anyway. <sighs> definitely not what the show portrays. Mm-mm. They're supposed to have a mini... Many children. Now, this belief does come from the teachings and sermons of this hellfire preacher. But he wasn't just a hellfire preacher. This guy was super, super confrontational with his tactics. I'm talking about he's one of those guys that would stand on the street corners with his Bible shouting at people. Like, you're going to go to hell. Like that type of thing. Um, Carrying carrying his signs and saying you're going to go to hell and trying to scare people almost into believing in god it was a fear mongering in a way right but he didn't just go that far because according to his teachings you didn't get to go just because you accepted jesus as your lord and go to heaven he actually taught that if you believed you were going to heaven that already meant you're going to hell <gasps> oh wow he also preached that only a few people were going to get into heaven and a lot of people believed it so he's like trying to be his own church fearmonger wow yep. he's definitely um, crazy this man was basically teaching them that you better walk this tight rope tight rope and even if you do you still may not get into heaven and that made them really really uptight obviously you can imagine right so put andrea in that situation where she already put so much pressure on herself and now she's following this husband and how fire preacher right I mean, like, okay. At this point, I feel like she had control. She had some, she could have fucking backed away. Yeah. But I also understand being in a relationship where your control is like, fuck, man. I mean, there's four years before they got married. Man, I don't know why she, I wonder if she just I felt like I everybody else was. a lot of undiagnosed mental health stuff. Right. She just. And she was an overachiever, right? So every every goal she had was already achieved and done. The only thing left was to fucking get married. And she's like, I'm never going to get married. I'm awkward. I'm weird. I might as well take All the good provider. Relationship slash dates fail. And then this guy comes along as a NASA engineer. I'm never going to get anybody else. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, I finally found him. Right. Not letting this son bitch go. Pretty much. Or the other way. Who knows? 
Um, and so since they are following these teachings of Warnaki, uh, they believe they needed to have as many children as God was allowed, which can lead one to have a lot of freaking children. Mm -hmm. Because if you're fertile as a woman, not on any kind of birth control. A lot of women. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of children. <laughs> and my cousin's on this belief system like she, God intended this to have it, but she's got like 10 kids. It's like, no, no, he did not intend you to have 10 kids. Back in the day, yeah, because they died sooner well, and you had it. Yeah, but like back then they needed a lot of kids because yeah, of. It's because it's a very primordial thing. Like we're very conditioned just instinctually to populate. Because oh, of the yeah. fact that back in the day, cavemen, like, they died more. Mm -hmm. We had to repopulate in order to be able to fight our enemies. Well, yeah, and sicknesses and not being healthy. Yeah. Kids, and then you had to plow a field and, like, do all that. Like, yeah. you needed a yeah. fucking football but field. But nowadays, like, and not only that, like, I feel any story, like, anytime you hear about somebody being pregnant, it either goes one way or the other. They either really love being pregnant or they really hate it. Right. Imagine it. Really, really like just being miserable the entire time you're pregnant. I didn't I like was. it. I hated it. But I hated it. Mm -hmm. I hated it. Mm -hmm. I was That's miserable. My mom loved it. My cousin. Ten kids because she is the best human possible when she's pregnant. Like she glows and she has energy. I don't get it. Me neither. I was sick the entire time. All the time. Mm -hmm. And then my, everything just swolled up, swolled up. I got really big and miserable. Yeah, it was I despised it. I love the outcome, but I mean, I mean like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. No, <laughs> right. But, but like the actual being pregnant part was not a particularly at all at any point a good experience for me, other than my hair and tails grew. I didn't even get that. My boobs got bigger. Oh, so they oh, didn't. Yeah. And they just kept on going. Mine just, I put on 80 pounds each time, which was fun. Oh, yeah. I talk about not being comfortable with your own. Met. Imagine that. Only pregnant. <laughs> and she probably felt trapped at this point. Like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, because I think she wanted to have kids. But we'll get into what happened. So, there's a lot of pressure there because Andrea wants to be that loving wife. If she wants to give Rusty what he wants. But having child after child after child is something that very few women want and very few wanted in Andrea's days of having children. But nonetheless, this is what he, he, Rusty, sees as an important part of family life within the context of the religion that he follows. Demanded, basically. Yeah. Now, you have to think about Andrea's personality, even just growing up. Her excellence for, or striving for excellence, her almost overachieving, now she's taken on this man who, even though she already had a faith in God and told him, like, you know, she's not super, super, like, hardcore. Um, she's with this dude who is teaching her that basically they can do everything right and they're probably still not going to get into heaven. Right. And she's also, an, she was an independent person going from independent to completely reliant. Oh, yeah, I guess a whole lot. As such, Rusty also didn't consider... Women on the same level as men. Oh, it sounds like my ex-husband. <laughs> he was always quite critical of Andrea. He didn't compliment her very often. And he had certain ideas and ideologies about how you should be in the home. Mm -hmm. He definitely felt that women should go through certain roles as wives. Mm -hmm. Their first child, Noah, was born February 1994. So this was like 
almost immediately. I mean, she hadn't been gotten pregnant like immediately after they got married. So I wonder if they didn't have sex. I doubt it. With the religions. Wow. I doubt it. And at this point, they live in a really nice four-bedroom house in Texas. Hmm. They had lived there for two years by that point. Um, at that point, because they didn't live together before they got married. Um, and then Rusty got an offer to work at a job in Florida. And he also gets this idea in his head that they're too materialistic. Oh. They're living too materialistic. And so they decide that they're going to move and get a small trailer. Four-bedroom house to a trailer. Sweet. They're going to move into a small trailer because he feels they become too materialistic according to the teachings of Warneski. They're going to liquidate all their possessions. <clears throat> They live in that trailer for seven and a half months. I mean, with an with an infant. Didn't you have mentioned like they put all their stuff at oh, first? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's in the, that's in the next part. Um, but people who knew Andrea said that she was actually really embarrassed by this trailer because before Andrea met Rusty, she'd worked really hard. She had her own apartment. She'd bought all the furniture for it. She'd taken great pride in the fact that she'd actually you know, been this independent and done it on this level, and Rusty decided that to change. And he actually took all of that out of storage that she had saved up, furniture-wise, and um, decided they'd have a huge yard sale. Hmm. But the yard sale was just full of her stuff. Wedding gifts, personal possessions, all of her furniture. Oh, but Rusty's items, like his tools, his expensive tools, he got to keep them. He could put them back in storage. Anything that personal, like anything that like made her a human being, like basically he stripped her of everything. So there's that. So he basically took away also any part of her being able to go anywhere because she had nothing other than a trailer and that he hand-me-down clothes <laughs> i'm assuming oh well yeah i would assume so because even though um he had quite a lot of money coming in he's an ass engineer right they live in a trailer so it's not like they were spending a lot he was very specific about the amount, amount of money that she could spend so she had she had to be constantly thrifty not that there's anything wrong with being thrifty but like it was extreme like she had to have her hair cut cheaply she wasn't allowed to take her children eventually to the hairdresser. She had to cut the hair herself. He didn't want. He didn't even want her to have friends. He didn't encourage family to be around. Essentially, this meant she also lost most of her social structure and support network. I feel like he was intimidated by her on some next level shit. Probably to a certain point. I think he just. I think he just also had these like very. He had these ideas in his head about what a marriage should be, what role a woman should play. Uh, by gosh, that was gonna happen. And he's equal street. Oh my god! So you'll see. Like I'm not a fan of rest. They go on to have a second child, uh, John. He was born December 1995. So that's like about a little over a year later. So she got uh, pregnant like right away. Yeah, pretty much. And she also suffers a miscarriage around this time. Which let's just throw another like you know onto the fire there. Okay, so she had a kid, miscarriage, and had a kid. Or had a kid, had a kid, miscarriage. Well, she had a kid in 94, and then another kid in 95 had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And then third child was born. Paul was born in September 1997. So it was like pregnant one right after 
another. Because their first child one day, the first child was born like June of 90. Uh, no, first child was born February 1994. Mm. And the next one was in December 1995. So almost, but not quite. But then miscarriage. And then third Paul was third son. Paul was born in 1997 in September. During this time, since she was at home with the kids and Rusty was, you know, working, she was the main disciplinarian. And they used a lot of verbal correction and they used a lot of uh, corporal punishment, which I myself do not believe in. What is verbal? Verb verbal correction, like just like scolding. Oh, okay. You know, but it's just like uh, the kids never a, did it's anything. It's a proven wrong. fact. Research has been done that none of that helps. Oh. That actually will you'll get worse results from your children. Believe me. So it was like a dictatorship. Kind of. Kind of like children are seen, not heard, shut yes. the fuck up. Yes. Hmm. And like I said, the corporal punishment because they're following this hellfire preacher. So what um, is corporal punishment? Spanking? Spanking. Wooden spoon. Holy fuck tarts. I think. How the fuck was this guy raised? There's not a lot of backstory. Ah, oh, fuck this shit. At least not that I found. This is not about him. Okay, sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mm. But I don't think he started believing in this religion until he was later on in his, like, a little later in his life, like, college. Probably yeah. got sucked up because college kids are very vulnerable. He probably didn't have a good dad figure and found dad in this fucking... Oh. I, I think his dad might have been a <sighs> part of it. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, they kept to themselves. But I thought... I, I think that this was more rusty wanting the family in a bubble because he had these particular religion... Or religious like beliefs and he didn't want probably a lot of the outside world impacting his children because maybe he felt they would do a better job just him and andrea as opposed to like society yes he had a fuck childhood i think i don't even know <laughs> after the birth of paul which was the third born mm -hmm. it was decided they needed to move to a bigger place so they got a converted bus a converted bus is which bigger is, than a trailer? Oh, which, is even, which is even better because guess who they bought it from? Oh, his high priestess. The Warnicky family. Oh. The same hellfire preacher they follow. So the Warnickys also used to travel around as street ministers in this converted bus. Because, and they all just happen to be in Florida? I mean, at this time, yes. Okay. Because there's nothing like the street for finding vulnerable and needy people who are desperate for meaning. In you tend to find quite a lot in those situations. And you convince them, here, here, you'll have a better life. Follow this ministry. Even you're all going to go to hell anyway. Right? In a fucking bus. That's how people related, like, about the Warnickies. They said they were very cultish. But nonetheless, they had people following them, like Rusty and Andrea. I wonder if Rusty basically gave that guy all of his checks, and that's how they had to be frugal. Do you know no. what I mean? No. no. Okay. I don't think so. Because they get a bigger house eventually. But, like, he just... I got nothing. I got nothing there about where their money was going. Um, um, and, it, and it seems, again, that this is really Rusty, who knew the Warneckies. Um, and I think it was... It was Rusty. He was probably a little bit... Uh, he would be the one pushing the ideas they were pushing. He then gets involved with his, like... Um, 
Okay. He got kind of sucked in. He got he got involved with newsletters for them. One of this is this is a great one. Um, one of those was called "The Perilous Time." Hmm. Has this great quote in it. Um, I couldn't find the exact quote, but basically, it said, "A woman, quote, a woman, is created to be a helper. This does not mean a wife. It means a servant, single or married." If a girl does not know how to be a servant, then she is learning how to be a ruler. It's called witchcraft. There is a great joy to be had in helping your children develop and apply their abilities. I can't fathom sending them off to strangers and strange spirits for eight hours a day. Hmm. It worked for you. You're a fucking NASA guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh we're homeschooled, so they homeschooled too. Oh, so she never got a break. So they lived on this bus in a trailer park. Because it's bigger than a trailer. Yeah. For around a year. But it was uh, this bus even in general. Like, I mean, you might think, oh, a bus. That's pretty. No. 360 square feet of living space. (laughs) For two adults, three children. Three young children. Um, But kids did seem sort of happy enough i guess they didn't know any better and then they have their fourth child luke in 1999 so she had like what two-year birth maybe so andrea now has had four children one miscarriage had her possessions sold and she's been forced to live in a converted bus all within six years of getting married stripped of her identity yep that's not only a lot of living arrangement changes you used to, but having four children in less than six years is a lot of hormonal, mental, emotional, and physical changes to go through. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's not how she's seen her life going. No, it's not how she saw her life. I mean, I don't think any, not necessarily, at least not, not in this way. Like, I mean, when they were living together at first, it looked in a nice four-bedroom house. And then all of a sudden, they're moved to like a trailer in Oliver Susskind. And, and I'm sure at that point, she's like, I already had a kid with this, like, what marriage, divorce, that's not in there. Right. And you're living like you're poor when you don't need to be. Like, she worked her ass off. Mm -hmm. And she was embarrassed, you know? And, but at the same time, like, what are you supposed to do? Right. I'm following the man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's. Oh, that went by fairly fast. Before we get into what happens after the fourth birth, the shitty shit. All right, let's take a break. All right, well, when I can take a break, because we're going to end this. This is two part. Yeah, yeah. Honey, you're like, let's take a break. This. Oh. Have we never done two We've done two reparters okay. before. All right, so. But usually I used to smoke, so I had to get up and go, and we had to take the break. Yeah, but it wasn't split up into two-parter episode. We just yeah. pushed them together. Oh. So, anyway, if you guys would like to immediately listen to the rest of this case, we would be more than delighted to have you join our Buy Me a Coffee um, subscription plan as a member, and then you'll get early access to episodes and early access to the second part of episodes. And bonus shit. It will be more consistent in getting stuff put out on time because I'll have more of a incentive motivation. <laughs> Plus, like that, it, any contributions that you guys do make, I mean, it goes towards me being able to buy, um, purchase books to read about these subjects, um, find different sources that you have to pay for. Like, there's a lot of sources that you have to pay for online in order to get reputable sources. It's not 
you can't just search it and find you know is that lucky type of a thing so that's that's what that buy me a coffee and even if it's like a one-time donation like you guys are still like we'll do the second part right away for you but otherwise you'll have to wait a couple days that's just that's my sorry sorry but not sorry sorry. (laughs) type of a ploy type of a thing but i hope so far this has kept you intrigued enough that you will come back and join us when we release the second part but until then um you can check us out on all the socials if you want to send us an email you can but i'm not breaking it jeez kendra you'd be better off sending us a dm on instagram like that's what it's called but whenever i think of dm i think of some rap song that's like Something. Yeah, almost yours. Like yeah. those DMs, <laughs> something silly like that. But yeah, no, but like, that's what it that's is. That's gonna be the best way to get a hold of. Yeah, me. Or I'd love April, but April doesn't get on any of that. No, I tried once. It got really confusing, and I was like, "Oh, Kendra's got this." Yeah, I'm really bad at checking emails, but Instagram is. Yeah, I'll get your messages on Instagram. If I don't message back right away, I'm, I apologize. I get spacey. We would love to hear your input. We would. I really would. Please leave us reviews, comments, uh, whatever you would like. And in whatever way you can. Let us know if somebody out there is listening to us. I'm listening to you. <laughs> ah, I love you. Why am I recording? Okay. <laughs> we will see you guys next time. On that. Bye-bye. <laughs>